You're now listening to The Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 240 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. It's going well. Um, hope everyone's doing good out there. Whoops. Sorry, the, the show was playing in the background for a second there, so I had to pause that. But yeah, I'm doing good. Um, how you doing, Rich? That's good to hear. I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to Elimination Chamber tonight. Uh, you know, hopefully it is just as predictable as it was when we talked about it on WrestleCast Friday night. So, looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, Richard. I'm pretty good. Happy to be back. Yes. Sounds good. Also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hola. Sorry, I had the mute button on. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, oh, yeah, I too am looking forward to Elimination Chamber. I got my snack-a-doodles and my disappointment ready to 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 start. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. And we are joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, guys. I'm happy to be back again. Been busy, doing a lot of crazy stuff, so a lot of game talk to have today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, there are there's quite a bit of news topics that we are going to get into. But before we do that, we're going to let you all know what we have been playing. So, Mr. Lugo, how about you start us off? Let us know what you've been playing and what you've been up to in general. So, yeah, I mean, last week I wasn't on the show because I was actually attending a fighting game event that was down here in South Florida. It was something local, something small, something chill. It was a little bit of fun, but nothing too crazy and too ridiculous, you know, that what we're used to and stuff. But it was still fun to see what was up with the local scene. So big shout outs to them for having me out there. But besides that, over the last two weeks and what I've been up to, what I've been doing as far as gaming and, and gaming and tech wise, uh, I've been doing a lot of reviews that we have up on the website now. We have our reviews for... Uh, was it uh, was it Lost Fear, which took a little bit of time to get up on the site because that's a long RPG. But again, it was a long haul to get through that. We have the the review up on the website now that you guys could check out. It is not that great of a game. It's very uh, kind of it's very uh, I guess you could say drags on for for lack of a better uh, phrase that it kind of drowns itself in nostalgia in like a worse way than than a good way. So that review is up now on the website. You guys could check that out. Um, right now, currently, I'm reviewing two games for, for the Coalition now uh, that hopefully will be up probably in the next day or so, one of which is Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 Plus, uh, which is for the Nintendo Switch. We should have that probably in the next day or so. Again, it's a very simple game. It's Pac-Man Championship Edition. Uh, it's pretty fun. If you love Pac-Man thus far, like pretty much what I've been, uh, what is it, what I've said in the past about past Pac-Man games, uh, I enjoy it so far. I'm having a lot of fun. I'll have a review up on the website very soon. And the other game that we've been waiting for quite a while, which we actually didn't interview 
for uh, on the website, Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet. Now, I'm hoping to have that done within the next few days, you know, to have it up in conjunction with the interview that we did with Bandai Namco. I got a chance to talk with the project lead and the community manager for Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet. We talked about the game in great depth. So you guys can listen to that uh, right now on the website and on the YouTube channel. But uh, thus far, what do I think of the game without giving too much away? Uh, it's it's not what I expected. Uh, and so far, there's been a couple of points where I have not been enjoying myself. And I'll kind of get more into the details about that uh, eventually once the review is live on the website. Uh, besides that, a couple other things to note uh, that have been pretty cool. We have uh, unboxing and impressions of the Atari speaker hat which we've been trying to do for quite a while. We've been trying to get in contact with some of the Atari people over there. We were finally able to do so and, and have a video up on the uh, the website and the YouTube channel that you guys could check out now. Uh, I got a chance to unbox it, give my impressions and my thoughts overall, and actually use the Atari speaker hat. Uh, it's basically, for those that don't know, it's a... Uh, it's a it's a fitted baseball cap or a fitted hat that has Bluetooth speakers built into it. It's got Bluetooth technology built into it, so you can connect it to your phone, to your iPad, to uh, was it your consoles or any other device that's you know enabled for Bluetooth. And it's pretty cool. We got to mess around with it for a little while and show you guys some of the cool stuff that it has to offer on the on the video. So definitely check that out. And also, I have to note because I didn't get a chance to mention it last week uh, because I wasn't on the show, but I also got a chance to look at the Sonic twenty. 20- fifth anniversary uh, art book from Cookenbecker that we have an unboxing of Precious for, which in my personal opinion, again, personal subjective opinion from me, uh, it's one of the best Sonic the Hedgehog related books out now that if you're a fan of the Hedgehog, if you're a fan of Sega in general, that's a must own book. It has a lot of history, has a lot of promotional stuff that probably you've never seen before related to the entire Sonic the Hedgehog series since the beginning in 91. Uh, about 1991 till about uh, 2016, 2017, you know, right before Sonic Forces came out uh, on all platforms. Uh, it has a lot of history uh, put into it. It has a lot of original uh, stuff, you know, like interviews, uh, original sketches and concept art that a lot of people probably haven't seen before. Definitely check out the unboxing and the precious that we have now because it's really, really cool, especially for someone like me that's a Sega fan and a lot of other Sega fans that are out there or, or even just Sonic the Hedgehog fans and classic retro gamers out there. You guys are definitely going to want to take a look at that but either way we'll have more surprises very very soon on the website we got a couple other neat things we're going to be doing unboxing and impressions for uh we have a couple interviews lined up and stuff and more games that we're going to be reviewing so i can't wait absolutely sounds good and uh definitely check out those interviews and the unboxings if you haven't done so this week and as mr oh, has already mention, said this sorry, sorry to interrupt Rich, but i also have to mention two that are exclusive for uh was it with household games i had the, uh, the founder of household games uh with me that we got a chance to talk about way of the pacifist and we have a complete you know interview on the website right now that you guys can look listen to and we talked about the game we talked about why the fgc and a lot of fighting game players may want to cop this game even though it's not a fighting game it's an it's a beat-em-up it's an action game but it's something that again if you're into fighting games you might want to pick it up for a couple special reasons and we really got into the weeds about what about that game is like so special it's a fun indie game i got a chance to demo it at psx and we talked more about it with, uh, with the founder of the company. So that's pretty cool. So just want to throw that in there. Absolutely. So definitely check out those interviews and the unboxings if you haven't done so. And uh, plenty more great stuff uh, coming. So stay tuned for that. All right, uh, Dana, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Do you want what I've been playing or what I've been up to this entire month? Um, well, basically. Well, you, you, well yeah, you, you, you could pretty much say both. 
seems to be the thing. Um, basically, as you guys know, I was over at the Toy Fair. I was able to still make the show and still go to the Toy Fair at the same time. Um, we got a lot of different figures from Funko. Um, as Gary is known, as I sent him pictures, there was a lot of um, Overwatch that's coming out. Um, Mezco has some great figures for um, We Happy Few. They're just very beautiful. Their details to just everything is just fantastic. Um, so I was able to talk to the um, one of the representatives and one of the people who worked on We Happy Few. He worked in conjunction with Mezco and with the game, and he helped with the design process, which is really great. And it's, the figures are wonderful. Um, Funko, uh, Overwatch they had. They have, you know, you guys already know, they have a lot, they do a lot of TV and movie-based um, figures as well. Really excited for the Coming to America one. Just got to throw that out there just because, yay. Excited for that to finally happen. Um, this week, I have been playing roughly around three games, and these are all for review. It's Monster Energy Supercross, which basically is just a motorcycle racing game it's very straightforward and it's for serious fans so they haven't given you really much any type of tutorial so if you haven't followed the motocross or supercross motorcycle craze then you're just on your own basically um it's a lot of advertisements which is something that i really did not like um about the game also there's no tutorial for people who don't play um, motorcycle or racing type games, then you're going to just be completely lost. But you just go around in one big circle repeatedly. So, you know, if you like that stuff and you know what you're doing, more power to you. Me, I thought it was very repetitive and I was just, I was just bored out of my mind. And, you know, the lack of tutorial and the lack of, and the, 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 the fact that it had so many advertisements was just annoying. Um, I have been also playing um, gravel, which is another racing game. So it's another racing game, and it's just, you know, pretty much straightforward. Again, it's racing, but unlike the other ones, the advertisement is not that bad, and also, um, sorry. So the advertisement is not that bad, and there's tutorials, and you're able to follow through, and it's really nice. It was just decent. It's one of those games where you just sit back, and you just be comfortable, and you have a decent racing game. And then I have been playing Metal Gear Survive, which is a disaster of disasters. It, you know, I really wanted to play it and I was looking forward to see what they was going to do with the game. But it's just a mess. As you guys already know, the microtransactions make no sense of whatsoever. You have to pay in order to have a second save, save slot. Um, it's so awful but the game itself so even if you took away all of the microtransactions and all of the controversy involving the game it's still horrible it feels like they just mashed all of their previous games into this one so and you have like also which i can't stand i like when i want to play a game i just want to play the game there are about literally one billion hours of just mashups and old cutscenes and security camera footage and tutorials. Like I know how I was explaining how like I wish that there was um, tutorials in the other game. With this one, I feel that you don't need the tutorials so much. And they put in like a good, it feels like three hours of just tutorials. So for me to actually get into the game you literally have to wait for me it feels like 30 hours just to go in and actually control 
Um, now, speaking of control with the game, is that it's very infrequent. So you have to learn, you know, which stick does what and which button does what. And it's just also filled with flashbacks and it's just so bad. And then they, they do have like stealth gameplay, but it's very minimal. And it's just, I just don't like it. It's just very confusing. The plot itself is just nonsensical. And I feel like I'm being overwhelmed. Um, I don't think, to me, it felt like it was like a new team that worked on the game. And they've never heard of the other previous games before. And they have no idea what they're doing. It's like they just wikipedia everything from the previous games. And tried to throw in as much as they could for this one. And there's a lot of character introductions. And I just, it's like no one knew what they was doing and that they could survive, you know, on, I can't stand this game. It was just, it was so bad. So, yeah, that's, that's what I would, I would say basically save your money. It's just bad even once it begins. And when you start, actually start playing it, it's very average. Nothing feels unique. You don't feel special. You don't feel like, you know, you're dedicating your time towards an actual purpose. It just feels like you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to just, you know, play through the game so you can return it to GameStop and get your 10 cent from it. And actually, it feels to me like it's worth that 10 cent. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure Gary is very disappointed to hear this because I know he was looking forward to Metal Gear Survive. So don't do it. Just play uh, over. I was kind of like hoping that it would actually be good in some way, but yeah, it sounds like it's not. It's just a mess. No one has direction of what they're doing, so everything is just a mess, and nothing really makes any sense. So that's just my problem. And then you're stuck with like hours of tutorials and you have an AI companion and it's just, it's stupid. And it's not even like it's a hard game. It's just nonsensical where nothing, nothing makes sense. You don't understand why you're doing what it is that you're doing. So it's, it's pointless for me. Well, (laughs) That's unfortunate, but uh, I am at least glad that you did survive Metal Gear Survive. That's why it's called Survive. Because you is basically like fighting with yourself trying to just play this game because you know that it's not what's But I will say that it does look pretty. It's very pretty-ish. The game design is very nice. But that's... Uh, that's It's not. It's just, just, that, that's just bad. It's a pretty game that does nothing. And they're also, also really pissy, is that there are certain missions that can only be completed with other players. So, in order for you to even, like, get other players to play what it is that you want to play, like, the missions, it's really convoluted and complicated to try to find the other people to join in in that mission. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah, that makes sense. I figured they may try to throw some of that those type of things in there. Well, and then they want not- you to pay everything, so no. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they, they got to get their money, and and somebody will will be willing to pay for some of that stuff. But uh, that's the ridiculous. thing is that EA when they did the whole loot box situation for Star Wars Battlefront Two, like 
Yes, what they was asking was completely ridiculous. And it's basically you're gambling. You're not knowing what it is that, that you're getting. But with this game, it's just so mean to charge people for an extra save slot. And if you keep dying, then you have to start paying. It's just stupid. It's mean. And your game is that crappy? Like, I can understand if this is, like, one of the best games that I've ever played. Okay. Fine. It's still wrong. But, you know, okay. Feels like you're, like, a part of some type of exclusive club. But the game is so not even worth it. That it makes no sense. You're just being mean to just be mean. And at the end of the day, you're losing. I don't understand the thinking behind that. I don't either. Uh... Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, there may be some people that enjoy it, but uh, yeah, if, if that's their thing, then it, it is what it is. But uh, thank you for giving us your thoughts on the game, because um, I was curious what you thought about it. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Mr. Matt Muller, how about you let us know what you've been playing? First of all, that was hilarious, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this week, uh, I have been playing a little bit more Monster Hunter here and there. And then I was also able to fit in Inside last night, like that, uh, Play Dead game, the guys that made Limbo. I didn't really like Limbo much. I appreciate what it did and I like the art style and everything and I appreciate it, but it's just not really something that I could never really get into. I tried it multiple times on multiple platforms, just not my thing. But Inside, on the other hand... This game was fantastic. I beat it in like literally a three hour sitting, three or four hour sitting. Um, it was very, very atmospheric, very creepy, very dark. And I just feel like compared to Limbo, there was actually a lot more going on, which kind of kept me engaged. Like in Limbo, most of the time when you died, you just died. And this game, there are things like you have to avoid people. You're like investigating some facility and you have to avoid like the people that work at the facility. There's things going on behind you. You're interacting with people in certain ways in some places, which is really interesting. There's like creatures that chase you around and stuff. And it's just this really cool atmospheric game. And I think that the puzzle solving also took like a big step up from Limbo. Um, it's not anything super complex. Like most of the puzzles are like variations of puzzles, puzzles you'd see in other 2D platformers. Like nothing was super unique aside from the ending of the game, which is like nothing I've ever seen or played before. And I'm not going to spoil it, but the ending is absolutely fantastic. And it kind of, it's still something like I'm trying to process. I remember when Inside first came out, everyone was talking about how like the game speaks about humanity and stuff like that. And like, there are definitely themes there that I'm still like thinking about and processing and I want to look into it more. But it's definitely one of those more abstract kind of artsy games that takes a little bit to like kind of process and figure out and everything like that. But um, that's not a knock on it at all. At least I don't think it is so far. I, I was a huge fan of it and I want to play it through again, knowing what I know now to see like if there's any sort of foreshadowing or a lot of stuff like that just in the game. It was it was a really interesting and really cool experience. But um, other than that, that's pretty much what I've been playing this week. Sounds good, and uh, I'm glad that you finally got a chance to play Inside. Yeah, that's an excellent game. Um, I know it took about seven, eight years of de of development time, but it was worth it. So, I agree. Uh, so, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? 
Oh uh, yeah, I definitely haven't been playing as much as uh you know you guys have, but um of course Overwatch that's a given, and uh I also played some PUBG as well this week again because I had I have uh, one of my Overwatch friends actually um just got PUBG so I ended up playing some with him, um and not much has changed in the game. There's been quite a few updates and stuff, but it seems like not much has changed. And the net code is still really poor. Um, that's something they should probably work on fixing. Um, yeah, I, I hope at some point they just kind of migrate to a new engine or something like that. Because they definitely need to make that game more stable, I think. Um, especially since they're trying to pass it off as being a full, complete, finished game now. Um, I think it's, uh, it's kind of like... It's unsatisfying to have a game that performs so badly um you know especially if you, if you paid money for it so yeah nothing's changed with PUBG um and I also uh played a little Assassin's Creed Origins as well um that game seems like it's going to be very lengthy like it seems like it's a full-blown like RPG now uh seems very grindy there's a lot of like side missions and stuff to do in that game and I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to it at the moment. So I just kind of pick it up and, you know, mess about, try and do one mission at a time kind of thing. Um, but yeah, very cool game. Um, they did patch it. So it's running a little better on my graphics card now, which is good. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got to play this week. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So, um, as for what I have been playing, there's only really two games that I have played and really don't have too much to say, but uh, I did finally complete Pass Cure. Uh, this is a game that came out, I believe, on the 23rd, so a couple of days ago, on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. I spoke about this game last week. It's what you would call a psychological thriller, but it has action in it. Uh, if you like action games like Max Payne, they, they do have some... You know, the player does have the ability to slow down time in certain aspects uh, in this game as well. Uh, at the last point when I mentioned this on the co-op, I was playing through it. I said it's a it's a pretty okay game. Um, the story I thought was interesting because it, it, feel, it felt as though they were going in a certain direction and they were going to reveal a lot of information. But having completed the game, I can honestly say now that uh, Phantom Age Studio, this is their first game. You know, they try to do a lot of different things to really try and explore different avenues because the game does have certain elements to it that it could be a survival horror game or it could be an action game, so on and so forth. But the issue is that the story, the story to me, if you know me, you know that I'm a huge fan of storytelling in video games. In this game, it, what essentially happens is the way they introduce the story, there's a lot of great things, a lot of interesting characters introduced but at the end of the game it's like everything just falls apart um from a storytelling standpoint this is a game that you'll play and you'll wonder first and foremost what the hell happened in terms of in the actual story itself and why was there no explanation of any of the events that happened um and i know that the whole uh theme behind the game is they're trying to mix reality with dreams but just the way it, it, it concludes is just very, very disappointing. Very disappointing. Now, obviously, if the developers are intending to make another, like a sequel in the series that will actually explain a lot of aspects to it, 
And I'm all for that. But right now, as a game, I could say what it is, as I said, they just wanted to make a game to show that they are capable of doing different genres. Um, but outside of that, the story itself, absolutely horrible. The way it, it, it finally comes to a head. No explanation on a lot of areas. It just, I, I felt as though I was personally offended by the story. But, you know, again, it is what it is. You know, some people will pick up and play this game and they will enjoy it for what it is. I mean, there are some things about it that are interesting. But just to know that you can't nail the story. And I saw this was a game a lot of people was talking about. Oh, fantastic storytelling. Obviously, the people who wrote up those reviews, they didn't play the full game to say that type of stuff. That's just my opinion. But, um, you know, if you are interested in the game, it is $29.99, so it's relatively cheap. Uh, it is worth looking into. I guess if you don't really care about story, you'll still get something out of it, I, I would say, maybe. But uh, other than that, I would say avoid it if you're not really interested in any of that other stuff. Um, and the other game that I did play is also a game that Dana has played, which is Gravel. Uh, I actually started playing the game for reviews, so there will be a review for the game later this week. Um, having played games last year, you know, I reviewed Gran Turismo Sport. I also reviewed Forza Motorsport 7. You know, those games are, I guess you could call them simulation games because it, it really gets into the detail and the minutia of cars driving and then wanting to design a car a certain way, tune it, so on and so forth. This game is basically a game that's designed for casual fans that they would just want to play a racing game. Um, and as I mentioned when I had wrote my preview, it is off-road racing. So they have, you know, a couple of different ways that you can experience that with different cars and different scenarios and, and so on and so forth. So what I would say right now, based on what I've played and having started to play the actual career mode, I think the game is pretty is pretty fun for what it is because again, you know, it's it's easily accessible to anybody that wants to play a racing game. You play a game like Gran Turismo or Forza, you may be intimidated by just how much you feel you have to know uh, just to jump into a game. This game, you know, anybody can pick up and play it. You have a little brother or little sister that likes driving or racing games, they can pick up and play this. Um, So that is one of the best things about it, in my personal opinion. Um, And so far of what I played, I mean, it is a fun and enjoyable game. The way they set it up, you know, you basically have a lot of different uh, races you have to do. But then you do go up against master off-road drivers as well. There are five total in the game split out across uh, after you complete a certain number of episodes, they call them, within the season. Then you get to go against the bosses. So the concept is is pretty simple, straightforward. Um, They do have some multiplayer modes in there that you can also make use of. So my experience so far with the game is it's, it's, it's a fun game. Definitely offers a lot more content than, say, some games offered at launch. Because one of the main issues I had with Gran Turismo Sport is that it didn't feel like there was a lot of content at launch. Now, since then, there's a lot of content in that game. So obviously, Sony's intent when they made that game was to release it as is and continuously add updates to it over time. This game is also going to have more updates because it does have a season pass. Um, But again, the game only costs $50, you know, so not like these other games that cost $60, so on and so forth. So um, but what I played so far, it's a fun game. And again, because it's accessible to everybody, that's why I say, okay, yeah, this this may be something that people may might be interested in. 
But if you don't like racing games, then you chances are you won't be interested in it. But can I piggyback quickly on what you're saying? Yes. Um, also, I'm not a racing fan, but and I really suck at driving. But even just crashing, there's so much fun in that. So yeah. for me, the game is so fun, and it's as you were saying, it's so casual. Like you don't feel any type of stress. If you win, you win. You lose, you suck. That's good. Whatever. Either way. But even like I'm like completely re- so bad when I play these racing games, but I just enjoy it so much. It's fun. And I think that's kind of what we're missing. Everyone is all about the com- the competition of things and how fast you can go. And yes, they have that aspect, but it's even just a casual, let's see if we can just beat our own personal time. It's, it's fun with that way as well. So, and it's easy to control because me, I'm screwed up when it comes to the controls. I just can't do it, but it's very easy to control as well. I agree pretty much with everything you said. Yeah. So, you know, that 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 that, that is one reason why I think, uh, you know, hopefully the game does get uh, received uh, well by others. They do give it a chance. Because as I said, you know, Forza and Gran Turismo, they're, they're excellent games. All right. But you really have to be into racing and, and you know, all aspects of it. You know, like I, I want to use this type of library. I want to use this type of. Uh, you know, make alterations to my vehicle. You can't do any of that in this. I mean, they do have libraries, stuff that unlocks after a certain period, but it's very limited because the focus is just on the actual racing aspect. So, yeah, a lot of people that don't like to do all that stuff, they're going to have a blast with this game. Um, And as I said, I will have a review for it next week. I believe it comes out on the 27th, so my review should be out around that same time. So, check out for that later this week on the site. But, um, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing for this week. So uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the news topics because we do have quite a bit to discuss on today's show. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to address this topic quick because I believe that Gary and Mr. Lugo have to have something to say on this. But you other, you guys might have something to say as well. Uh, Soul Calibur 6, Gary. I believe that uh, we got some character models recently that you took a t- that you actually saw, and I guess you wanted you had a couple of words you wanted to say on that. So, so go ahead. The floor is yours. Oh uh, yeah. So um, basically, Bandai Namco released a new, well, couple new videos um, announcing two of the characters that are going to be in the game. Uh, one of them is Ivy, which is you know the one of the series' most recognizable characters. And uh, I can't pronounce the name of the second one. I'm going to try, but I'm sorry if I butcher it. Um, Zazalamel, I think. Zazalamel, yeah. Zazalamel, yeah. Um, So yeah, that's the other character in there. Um, And I don't have a lot of experience with Soul Calibur recently. Um, I think the last time I really played the series was back in the PS2 era. And ever since then, you know, I've kind of played it at like shows like Eurogamer Expo and E3, but I never was really good at it. I know it's uh, a lot more technical compared to your other fighting, some of the more casual fighting games and stuff. So, yeah, um, I don't have too much to say about it personally, but the character design looks amazing, in my opinion, Uh, specifically the Ivy character model. I think a lot of uh, detail was put into that, so... Uh, much props to the development team of the game. I'm very excited for that. Go ahead, JJ. Uh, well, well, hold on a second. I, I just have one question I want to ask you, Gary, before JJ answers. So, so do you hope that 
that uh, Bandai Namco does a deal with Activision so that these characters can appear in Overwatch. Do you, you want to see that in the future? Yeah, that, that that would actually be really great. Like if there was like a a costume for Mercy or something like that. Like I think that would be good. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> character models are really good. Uh, I I actually think a lot of people should try and cosplay these characters too. That would be great. That's possible. Okay, JJ, go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I got a chance to see the trailers for both Ivy and Zosalamel. I think they look good. I think this game looks pretty good. Again, it's still early. Uh, I'm hoping that both at uh, P- uh, was it PAX East as well as also E3 this year, we'll get a chance to actually play it. I know some people have played it thus far, have gotten impressions, not just you know straight with Bandai Namco, but at other events and stuff. So, and the, the word of mouth seems to be very good, and it's really showing, you know, with all the trailers and stuff that they've been putting out. What I am hoping is that they do take a lot of the feedback in some of their other games that they released lately, specifically like Dragon Ball Fighters and such, uh, that they kind of implement a lot of those stuff into Soul Calibur 6, you know, particularly with the online system, you know, being prepared for launch day, as well as also betas. I am hoping that there's an online demo or online beta for Soul Calibur 6 at some point. You know, give us like maybe four or so characters to play with and mess with prior to the game coming out. They've been getting into a habit of doing that. And I think that'll be great, you know, to kind of not only give us a taste of the game way before it's released, but also uh, just, you know, give them some more opportunities to improve on certain things, kind of like what they did with Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, but really, just speaking strictly on the game thus far from what we've seen, I'm digging it. I really I really think that it looks cool. Uh, as far as like the design of the characters, I mean, there really isn't much to uh, changes to their design, with the exception of maybe a little bit to Zasalamel, uh, as well as some of the other characters we've seen. We've seen Mitsurugi, we've seen Killick, I believe we've seen Sophia at one point, and also Nightmare. I think also as well. Uh, I'd be curious to know if some of the other characters from Soul Calibur 2 and maybe a little bit of Soul Calibur 3, because I know this is kind of like a prequel to some of the previous games in the series. Like they're doing that timeline skip thing, you know, with with most franchises where the later iteration kind of goes back in the timeline to bring back certain characters. Uh, I do hope that we get a good, healthy roster of like both past and uh, new characters uh, that have appeared throughout the series. And again, the fighting system, from what we've seen thus far, including these trailers, it looks really good. A lot of the changes that they've been implementing have been taken, or at least the concepts of them, been taken straight out of Tekken 7, which I think is great, which I think is awesome, because Tekken 7 did a lot of good stuff for 3D fighters, and it seems to be the case as well with Soul Calibur 6. Now, I do want to bring up one point that I think is interesting. Uh, I'm curious to know if they will go the same route with guest characters like what they have in the past because guest characters have been a very big thing now especially for Bandai Namco with Tekken 7 uh over the last year uh we've been we've been seeing that a lot with Injustice 2 we've seen it obviously with Tekken 7 uh I'm curious to know if Soul Calibur 6 will follow suit because Soul Calibur especially in the early uh, was it iterations of the franchise was all about guest characters or at least they had a very very big emphasis across all platforms with guest characters and I want to know if uh, Bandai Namco would actually follow through with that and actually continue that trend who who exactly they would get or if they would do kind of like what they do with Soul Calibur 2 have a different guest character on every platform it'd be something interesting for us to ask Bandai Namco I gotta hit him up and see if uh, see if we can get him on the phone to talk a little bit about it one time Sounds good. Uh, one thing I will add about Soul Calibur 2, a lot of people don't really know this, but I, I also was a fan of the series. You know, Nightmare is a character who I enjoyed more than the others, you know, obviously, but uh, 
I'm looking forward to six. You know, I, I, my assumption is it will be out sometime later this year since they initially said 2018. So looking forward to that. I know when they announced it uh, late last year, a lot of people was excited about that. So, hey, but looking forward to seeing more. And hopefully it will be at some of these shows we'll be at in the next couple of months. Um, any other thoughts on Soul Calibur 6 before we move on? Uh, I believe, Max, you, you said that this may be the game that uh, makes you become a fighting game fan, correct? Yes, totally. No, um, <laughs> I uh, I have very little experience with the franchise. I think the it was the fourth one was one of my first Xbox 360 games, and actually I played a lot of that. Nightmare was also my favorite character. I played him more than anyone else. But um, other than that, I haven't really had any experience with the series whatsoever. However, at the time, though, it was a really cool introduction to fighting games and, like, the Xbox 360 and everything like that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, how about you, Dana? Anything to say on Soul Calibur, or, or are you good? That means no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm good. Um, yay, don't suck. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so uh, we're now going to move on to another topic that uh, should be very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, the the studio that I believe that both Max and, and Gary, they have said on multiple occasions that this is a studio that they love. They love every game that they make, including Mass Effect Andromeda. We're talking about EA. Um so, you know, I know Bioware made the game, but EA published it, so we got to acknowledge EA in this. But basically, uh, this week, we, we got some information about EA Play, which will be taking place uh, right before E3 this year. Uh, we are planning on being at EA Play. Last year, uh, you know, I didn't make it there. Mr. Lugo did make it there. So hopefully, uh, we'll all get to experience it uh, this upcoming year. But basically, all we found out about EA Play is that Anthem... And the next series in the well, the next the next uh, installment in the Battlefield series will both be on hand at EA Play. So my question to you guys is: uh, first and foremost, what are your thoughts on this? And do you believe that both games will actually be playable, or do you think we'll just see like demos being played by others in terms of presentation? Um, so, Gary, how about you answer this question first, since I know that you're a huge EA fan. Um, well, uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they do with Battlefield, with the new Battlefield. Um, and as for Anthem, like, I kind of have no faith in EA at this point. Like, even with Battlefield, like, I think, um, after what they've done previously, like, you know, with the most recent games and Battlefront and everything. I think they're probably going to like, you know, it's going to be a letdown, but I, I'm still intrigued just to see what direction they go because obviously, you know, they had uh, World War One as the, the last thing and everything. Um, and like, I used to be a big fan of Battlefield. Like, it was my number one FPS um, after, you know, after I kind of transitioned off of Call of Duty. Like, I went into Battlefield 3 and from then on, I was kind of in love with Battlefield. Um, and then, you know, uh, Battlefield 4 was really good too, even though they botched the launch a little bit on PC. But yeah, that was a really good game also. And then Battlefield Hardline is where it kind of started to go downhill. 
um it, the story mode was good like i liked the concept of that but um yeah it's just like their dlc model and everything like uh i i remember it was kind of a bit too much like uh i i, I remember paying like 90 pounds or something like that for a for the premium version of a battlefield 4 and like they were just asking too much of fans like because um obviously they had uh, i forgot what they call it now but they had like the elite version of the game or whatever where you get access to all the maps and all that sort of stuff and they started to kind of milk that a bit too much i think and battlefield one although it was like i heard good things about it i kind of never really uh it never really resonated with me personally even though i'm sure it was way better than call of duty so yeah i'm I'm interested to see what direction they go but yeah like i said i I don't have much faith in ea but in you know despite what happened with battlefront i do feel like ea is going to try and do some damage control in how they approach things now uh like they're probably going to have a micro transaction free model moving forward just to just to appear a bit more you know positive in um with consumers and stuff like that because even with one of the things we're going to talk about later um they've actually made it a point to promote the fact that they're not including micro transactions in another game that's coming out so yeah i think they might do something with battlefield which is like one of their flagship games anyway they might come out and say yeah uh we're not you know we're not going to do uh like a premium version or whatever and you're going to get all this content for free and stuff like that so yeah i'm interested to see what what they will do but i will say that i'm completely not interested in attending ea play after how they treated us like two years ago so yeah i don't even want to go to that show <laughs> okay i i I'd like to make a quick comment before uh and move on to uh max um yeah I, I think you made a lot of great points uh however what you said about them having the uh microtransaction free model i don't think they're going to uh to actually do that because i know they're bringing back microtransactions in the, the star wars uh battlefront game so um We'll see what happens with EA, but I, I do agree that EA play uh, the way that we had our issues the last time we tried to get there. That was just ridiculous. Uh, last year, I didn't go to the show. Uh, Mr. Lugo went to the show. He'll be able to tell us a little bit more about that in in, in, in a small in, in a little bit, but uh, we'll see what happens. Now, uh, Max, I believe you did play Battlefield One. So, um, what are your thoughts on? Anthem and Battlefield being playable at well on hand. We don't know if it's playable yet, but on hand at, at EA Play. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, I'm very similar to Gary and my thoughts on this sort of stuff. Uh, Anthem, I've given up hope for. I don't really care for Anthem. Like, if it ends up being really good and not trying to rip you off and everything, like, cool, I may check it out, but I don't expect it to be like that at all. I expect it to just be like just microtransaction heavy just what we expect from ea is what i expect from anthem as for battlefield yeah i did play battlefield one and i was a pretty big fan of it i played a significant amount of that game i think that's the most battlefield i've ever played even though i liked three and four and played those a lot um so it'll be cool to see where they're going with this um i wonder if they're going to go modern again i don't think we really know what they're going to do with the next entry in battlefield um i will say 
uh, Battlefield 1 did kind of step back on the microtransactions a lot. If I, I believe it still had some, but there wasn't there they weren't really prevalent at all. So hopefully that sticks in with um, the next Battlefield game and they can leave their microtransactions elsewhere. Um, we'll see if they actually end up not including them in their future games. Uh, I just don't trust EA anything that EA says. But um, yeah, I think it's cool that they're play or that they'll be on hand, maybe not playable. It'll be nice to see what's up with the franchise. And I've noticed like, uh, especially since Bethesda started doing it, uh, developers and publishers are starting to reveal their games a lot closer to release. So I wouldn't even be that surprised if Battlefield, if the next Battlefield game was like playable this year, or I mean, came out this year, you know, like around November, or the fall season or something like that. That wouldn't surprise me, um, which would be really cool. You know, uh, Battlefield 1 again was great, but like, I wouldn't mind another modern Battlefield. Maybe even they could go back to like the Battlefield 2100 series, like the future games and stuff like that. That would be cool. I love that sort of stuff like way way future not like advanced warfare type of stuff like none of that but like actual like way 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 in the future kind of stuff with like robots and stuff like that i think that'd be interesting what's that rich quick question because i see gary's about to chime in bad company three or nah you don't want to oh, see that god i yeah, completely that's... forgot about <laughs> that that's what i was gonna say because i that, oh, that was yes. the rumor that was actually the rumor that was going around that would i be... completely Forgot about those. No, yeah, Bad Company Three would be perfect. Actually, those those were wonderful games. That those were so those were last gen. Oh my god, we didn't get a Bad Company this gen yet. I completely forgot about that franchise. That would be dope. I hope it's that now. Yeah, I I, I know I know EA tried to debunk that rumor, but uh, a lot of people are saying no. That's what it is. We'll 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 we'll, we'll know sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. after the way the second like game ended. Oh my god! I agree. I agree. I, I would like to see that, but we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, Dana, you have any thoughts on uh, Anthem and uh, Battlefield being playable at EA Play? I think that's wonderful. Also, I want a remastered of the Bad Company games, and I want the the a new Bad Company for this generation. So, yay! Hey, sounds good to me. I agree with all of those points. Okay, now, Mr. Lugo, let us know what you think about these games being on hand at EA Play, and then you can describe whether or not you are excited for EA Play, because you was there last year, and you got to see firsthand how the show was handled. So go ahead. Yeah, so as far as these games are concerned, both Anthem and Battlefield, uh, Anthem, I think it would be very cool. It would be very interesting. Uh, I definitely believe that both games may have a playable, you know, version of them at EA Play this year. If I had to choose one of them that's least likely to, I would say Anthem, because I could totally foresee, even though I want it there, play, playable in some form, I could totally foresee them just like showing another demo like they did last year. And then just, you know, again, not offering any sort of playable version, maybe a demo later on afterwards, you know, through Origin and stuff. But uh, again, I, I could totally see them being there in some fashion. Uh, as far as Battlefields, uh, I definitely uh, would be totally cool with Bad Company 3. I think that would be totally fine. Uh, or, again, they could go another route and they could just stick to, to Battlefield, uh, what is it, Battlefield 5. You know, that, that could also be another uh, option here. I tell you what it won't be, though. It won't be Battlefield Hardline. That, that We could definitely rest assured that that won't be the case. But uh, as far as them being there, I think that those are, are more than likely to actually be playable and at least shown more to us during their show. 
Now, as far as how it was back then, last year, and, and also I'll speak a little bit on the year prior to it, which luckily for us, the last year was a lot better than, than what we got. Uh, the thing that Gary and everybody was referring to, in case you don't know if you're listening to this now, uh, we tried to go to EA Play one year and we wanted to attend the, the conference and attend a lot of the festivities there when it was in uh, LA Live. And it was in the previous uh, area. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I was one of the only people there. And I think also, Rich, I, I don't remember if you also went too and Gary went. At some point, but I think, you know, with the days, you know, we have the Bethesda conference to deal with and everything else. But uh, I remember being going over there and trying to at least, you know, wait to get into the show and, you know, show my credentials and stuff. And it ended up being that I waited over an hour outside. You know, and unfortunately, we didn't get to cover EA games as much last year again because they weren't inside E3 inside the convention center, and they just for whatever reason just didn't let us go. They that was the time when they opened it up to the public, you know, for EA Play while E3 was still closed and things were just so overcrowded. They they just handled it totally out of whack that year. But then we go into last year, which was the following year after that, and uh, it was a lot better. I was able to get into the show. It's in the middle of Hollywood, which is far away from uh, the convention center when you really think about it it was like maybe about a 20 minute or so drive funny enough uh, away from where E3 is located in the LA convention center but it was a lot better handled uh, obviously members of the media myself included were able to get in a lot easier than the general public um, it was it was fun as far as being able to play some of the games there because they had a lot of playable demos even though there were still lines there because the public could still go in and still check it out but there was a handled a lot differently than it was the previous year uh, that was the first time I actually got hands on time with Star Wars Battlefront 2 before the game came out and before uh, we knew a lot about what the game was going to be by the time the release came um, as far as like everything else with the show that's where they showed Anthem obviously that's where they showed uh, that, that co-op game that they revealed during EA Play I forgot the name of it right now this was, it was the guy who went out of whack during the, the Spike uh, video game awards oh, uh, yeah well, which one was it way out a way out or something like that the prison one out? i can't remember it was the co-op game that it was like a cinematic co-op experience with the two guys the two partners yeah, prison, yeah, yeah, pr- prison. yeah prison yeah. break <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i believe it's called yeah way out. yeah way out so yeah. again the way that show was handled and, and and speaking to these two games being there i feel like it's going to be more of the same this year because last year is what worked and i feel like maybe they'll tweak a few things here and there uh, as far as like having more games there for people to play or looking for other ways to get more attention because I felt like EA last year had attention because of Star Wars and also Anthem. People talked a little bit about it, but you know, that some of that was taken away at the Microsoft conference afterwards, or at least, you know, in some other capacity and then outside of their own show. But maybe they'll do more of the same this year. They'll probably have more games, more surprises, hopefully. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll talk a little bit about Burnout because I don't think Burnout Paradise being remastered is just a fluke. Maybe that's going to lead into something else down the line. But uh, again, I think it, I think it'd be pretty cool this year. Hopefully, you know, we get to see some good surprises. And hopefully Anthem and whatever Battlefield is ends up being really good and, and causes a stir. I, I, you know, I, I have, I have high hopes for Anthem only because I know Bioware, it's, it's, it's coming out like this is the game that's either going to make or break them now because of all the, the stuff that they got this year with last year with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. So I'm hoping it is successful for their sake. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, I believe Gary and Max have, uh, They've said that they don't have high hopes for EA, so I unfortunately now feel as though well that's uh that's a, that's a bad thing, but they make some very good points. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, as far as EA play is concerned, 
I mean, I, I am looking forward to checking out the event. I mean, I didn't make it there last year because they had the event on Saturday and the same day that I flew into L.A. And there was no way in hell that I was going to be able to go directly from the airport to Hollywood. That was that was not going to be an option because I still had to wait to meet up with Gary as well and Max. So maybe uh, this year will be different. Uh, obviously, we'll you know we are making plans to fly in. Uh, a day earlier, so hopefully we can catch EA play, but um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so before we move on to the next topic, I, I want to also add this in with EA as well. We did get the news that Burnout Paradise Remastered is coming uh, as well next month, in a couple of weeks actually, and it won't have any microtransactions, so I wanted to ask if you guys had any thoughts about that. Um, and Mr. Lugo, how about you go first? Uh, there's, I don't think there's really much to say. I think that that it makes sense. Uh, I don't remember the original release having any sort of like you know in-game store microtransactions or anything of the sort. So I mean that's fine. I think that's more tied to the fact that because of all the stuff with Battlefront and other games have been so like prevalent now in the news, you know, regarding microtransactions, that that was just another talking point for a lot of other people. Because again, microtransactions seem to be uh, making money for a lot of different companies, especially places like Rockstar and obviously EA and, and Activision etc so i mean i think people got worried that maybe ea was going to follow through with that with every single one of their releases and at least it's good to know that that's not the case or at least also it's good to know that maybe because of that that ea wanted to make that very clear because they want to get away from what's been going on with a uh, star wars battlefront 2 or at least what's been happened with uh what is it star wars battlefront 2 hopefully we don't get the same thing with the uh, anthem and battlefield even though i think that that's going to still be in there in some form because again it does work for some people but at least some of the classics like burnout paradise we won't have to worry about i agree yep agree 100 percent. all right uh max any any thoughts on this uh burnout paradise remastered are you planning on checking it out or not interested um i think it's awesome Burnout Paradise is one of my favorite games of last gen. Uh, I played the shit out of that one. There was a lot of like expansion packs and everything like that that were kind of annoying to maintain, so it's really nice that I believe the remastered edition has all of those just built into it, and no one needs to buy any extra stuff or anything like that. And it's really cool that the online is being brought back, because the online was really fun and kind of seamless. It was seamlessly integrated with like the single-player world in a lot of ways, and... It was just, it was my type of racing game. You know, it was like one of the first open world racing games. It kind of always kept you in the action. There was always something to do, but it wasn't like overwhelming or anything like that. So it's really cool. I don't think I'm going to check it out just out of lack of time, but um, it's really nice for those who didn't get around to burnout or for those who really want to like get back into it. Like maybe later down the line, I'll buy it on a sale. I'm sure I probably won't spend 40 on it, but uh, it's a really cool thing. I'm a really big fan that it's here and that they just kind of announced it and they're like, oh yeah, it's coming out in like less than a month. Like, that's cool. And um, the fact that there's no microtransactions is great. I'm with JJ. I don't think there was any uh, store or anything like that back then. I think this is pre all of that BS because Paradise was kind of early on into last gen, if I remember correctly. So it's nice that they've kind of stuck with that and they're just throwing it out there for 40 bucks. And maybe we'll see more burnout after this, you know? Uh, Paradise was the last mainline game, wasn't it? I believe yeah. there was some like spinoff or something. There was one other like burnout thing. But, um, yeah, that's it. And I don't know why, because Paradise did well. Everyone loved it. I don't know why it stopped there. But, yeah, it's cool. Hopefully we'll get more Burnout after this, because I'd be a big fan of, like, that open-world style of Burnout coming back. Even though I do like 
like the uh, Burnout 3 was like not open world, it was like mission based or something like that. I liked those too, but like I really, really loved what Paradise brought to the table. So hopefully we can maybe see a Paradise 2 or something like that later down the line. That'd be really cool. Very good points. Yeah, maybe. Okay, Dana, uh, you have any thoughts on uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered coming back? I co-sign everything that Max said. This is great news. Um, no loot boxes, no microtransactions, so yay. I'm very excited. Yeah, uh, I I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I, I'm just going to add, you know, Gary made a mention about uh, perhaps EA will be doing Goodwill or, you know, try to damage control by having some other titles come out that don't have microtransactions. So I believe that that definitely is the case for this game. Uh, glad that it's not in there. And um, we'll see as far as how they handle that practice moving forward, because I still do think it's going to be in the even in the bigger titles uh, in some capacity. But we'll have to see how they actually handle it. And uh, Gary, what are your thoughts on uh, the Burnout Paradise Remastered Edition coming with no microtransactions? Yeah, um, I think this is EA, you know, basically trying to do damage control a little bit because they went the extra mile to have that guy specify that, you know, there wasn't going to be any microtransactions. Now, usually when a game is remastered, um, especially a game that's like from previous generation, you kind of expect all content to be in there anyway without you having to buy anything additional because like who would do that for an old game? Um, so the fact that they went the extra mile to specify that kind of makes me think, okay, like they, they want that positive press, basically. Um, and this is a game that people already love. So, you know, it's like a double positive for them. Um, so yeah, I, I think this might be the, uh, the way they approach things going forward, you know, trying to get away from the whole microtransactions thing, uh, especially with, you know, uh, we spoke before the show about, you know, uh, there was this, uh, I guess, discussion uh, uh, with the ESA talking about microtransactions and stuff. So it's become like a big topic of discussion and debate. Um, and there's even like, you know, governments talking about, you know, whether it, it's a form of gambling and stuff like that. So with all that stuff going on on the side, I think EA really wants to kind of detach themselves from the word microtransaction because there's a lot of negativity towards it right now especially with their name specifically so i think this may happen uh this year like this is going to be like a new thing for ea to kind of distance themselves from that word um but you know um the fact that burn burnout paradise is coming out with you know remaster i think that's a great thing in itself because like i said that's a game people loved last generation um it was a great game i i enjoyed it back then but um, I'm not, you know, like Max, I'm probably not going to get it now, but um, it's a good game. So if you haven't got to experience that game, then I definitely recommend it. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, I believe we're now going to shift gears and move on to the uh, entertainment portion of our show. Uh, Dana, I believe that there's some entertainment news you wanted to uh, address so feel free to let us know what's what's happening and what happened in entertainment this week. Okay, so in entertainment, da, 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 having my own little music there. Um, 
Black Panther. Can we just talk real quickly? The success of Black Panther. Worldwide ticket sales are at $520 million. And that is just since opening from Thursday. It was screenings on Thursdays, everyone knows. And that it has now earned $292 million in U.S. theaters. It's top is topping a seven-day sales for Marvel Avengers. And it's taken the crown of the best North American opening week for a Marvel Studio film. And in the bigger picture, Black Panther can also claim the fourth best week at U.S. theaters ever. So Disney is very happy. Now, in order to... DC, as we all know, there's that little struggle that people like to pin them against each other, DC and, and Marvel. DC is looking at the success of Black Panther, and I'm so conflicted whether or not I should be offended by this, but they're saying, oh, we see that African Americans are flocking to theaters to go see Black Panther. We are going to uncancel the Cyborg movie, and therefore, we're going to mimic the same success Black Panther had because Cyborg is a black superhero. So in their mindset, they're very excited about this. And so before, whether we all know when they released their schedule, um, they said that we're getting a Cyborg movie. After the failure of uh, Justice League, they no longer talked about Cyborg anymore. And they no longer talked about, you know, his own solo movie. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, yes, we're excited. We can't wait. So they're bringing it back. Now, also, on top of that, they have a um, their uh, comic book. And in the comic book, it's not so much of a spoiler. I'm not going to spoil every single thing, but I'm not, I'm not really spoiling anything. But I will say this, that the Justice League has a new cyborg, has, has a new leader, and that is Cyborg. Um, the first black superhero will be in charge of the Justice League. So what happened was that there's a new uh, Justice League supervillain that's pushing the teams to its limit. And not even Batman is able to keep up. So Batman steps down from the position. And instead, he decides to appoint Cyborg. So now Cyborg is the head of the Justice League. So everyone's piggybacking off of everyone. So they're very happy about that. Um, In other news... Um, Stephen King, anyone knows, uh, he did a narrative poem called The Bone Church in 2009. That's now going to be made into, uh, movies. They picked up the rights. And if you're not familiar with the poem, it's basically about this bard patron who tells anyone that buys him a drink about there was a doomed expedition in the jungle that he took part of. So they're going to expand on that and make this into, basically a movie and it was about 32 guys went in but only three survived and came out so anyone who's a Stephen King fan they're doing that also more Stephen King we're getting chapter two of it that comes out in 2009 we're getting a new adaptation of Pet Cemetery. we're getting Suffer the Little Children The Talisman and Dr. Sleep and as you don't already already know we're also getting Castle Rock which is a series that connects all of Stephen King's characters they all live in the town of pack of castle rock that's going to be in hulu during the summer i believe it's august 1st um or the coalition on the if you look on the website i did an interview with three of the actors it's sissy spacek peter sarsgaard who played it 
um, from the the movie and um, the new guy. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, but he it was a wonderful interview. I just can't remember his name. Um, Josh Whedon has stepped down from the Batgirl movie that was going to be produced by Warner Brothers. Um, Batgirl, he said, is such an exciting project with Warner Brothers in DC. He said they're very supportive and that he was very happy with, you know, the new opportunity that came. But the problem is that he said it took him months to realize that he didn't have a story and that he's very grateful for everyone who welcomed him. But he failed. He said he calls himself a failure. He apologizes. He says he failed. He doesn't have a story. So it's best for him to step down. Because there's nothing that he can do with the character, which I kind of call BS on. But, you know, he's out. And so now with um, DC, they still want to do the movie. They just don't have anyone attached to the project now. So they're really upset because they also Justice League kind of failed at the box office. So right now they've kind of been scrambling. Also, they got a bunch of new people in. They have a lot of revolving doors when it comes to and you know the writers and producers. So they are basically scrambling to bring out something that's somewhat successful. However, if we all know, or you probably don't know, we're getting a Nightwing movie that's going to be directed by Chris McKay, who previously did who previously did the Lego Batman. And he put out a statement that was saying I'm not going anywhere, guys. Sorry what happened with Josh Whedon, but I'm not going anywhere. And the only only way that I would ever leave the project is that uh, DC decides to fire me. And, you know, that will be the only time, the only problem. I'm going to stay with you guys. Yay, Team DC. And he's very excited for the, the movie that's coming up. He says that it's going to be just a really great action movie with a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. And it's going to be a crazy fun ride for whoever gets cast as Nightwing. And if they're going to go through this big boot camp experience and they're going to enjoy it and the fans are going to enjoy it. And it's going to be, you know, number one at the box office. But again, we have no plot. We have no characters. We don't even know what it's going to be about. We don't know who's going to star in it. But he's very excited and he's letting you know that even though DC is falling apart right now, he's staying where he's staying. Um, as we know, also, Sonic the Hedgehog is now a film that's going to open on November 15th of 2009. Sega has announced that um, they're very excited about this, that they can't wait to expand on the new on the IP, and that they're going to reach audiences globally. So this has been something that they have been working on. They're very excited. We don't have any script. We don't have a plot. We don't even have a design we don't know anything about it, but we're getting a movie in 2019, come hell or high water. Um, Chris Tucker just confirmed that we're getting a Rush Hour 4 movie. Jackie Chan's still around. He's still alive, still kicking butt and, you know, looking good. And Chris Tucker needs a paycheck from somewhere. So he's really happy. They said they can't wait to start filming. We don't have a date on, on filming. He says that they was really excited and that they announced um, Rush Hour 4 back in 2012 but the problem is they didn't like any of the scripts that they were receiving. So it took such a long time to get the right writer, to get the scripts and that they've been turning down everything and nothing seemed to excite them but they want you to know that they're working on the second draft right now and it'll probably start shooting next year. So they're excited about it. Jackie Chan already said, I'm good. I'm happy. And also Chris Tucker wants people to know that it's not about the money. It's about his love and his passion for Rush Hour 4. 
And I believe that Brett Ratner is going to be attached. He is still promoting it on his Instagram, even though he made everything private. But I, I friended uh, Brett Ratner before that whole scandal thing, so I didn't get booted out his account. But he's still posting about Rush Hour 4. So Brett Ratner confirmed it, and Chris Rock confirmed it. Um, we're also getting a Titans TV series that will premiere on the DC streaming service, which is going to launch later this year. So we're not only getting the Disney streaming service, but now you have to pay for the DC streaming service. So they cast um, Ritter Farr, who is um, from some TV show. I don't know. But they also cast April uh, Broadby, who is from Drop Dead Diva, a TV show that was on like Lifetime or something. Anyway, Rita Farr has been cast as Elastigirl. And she's very excited. Um, what happened is with the in the story is going to explain that Farr is an actress who is exposed to the toxic gas that changes her cellular ex- um, her cellular structure. Sorry. She can expand and shrink her body and in the comics ends up with the Doom Patrol. However, the live, the live, live action series um, will also feature the Doom C- Patrol, but it's going to be some changes to it. They didn't announce what the changes are, but there's going to be some changes. The show also stars Brett Britton. I cannot pronounce his name, but he was the kid from Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tale. He plays Dick Grayson, also Robin. Um, we're getting Tegan Croft from Home and Away is playing Raven. Anna Droop or Anna Drop, who is so 24 Legacy, is Starfire. Alan Richardson is Teenage Mutant from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we're getting Minka Kelly from Friday Night Lights, really great show, um, will be Hawk. So that's, that's all the news that we find out. Um, it's been a very long time. Waiting for the show to come out. This has been over, I would say, over five years. It was supposed to originally be on TNT. Then it was supposed to film in Canada. Then it got moved to Los Angeles. There was a lot of problems. It was dropped by TNT because they said the script was just so god-awful, they refused to put it on air. So now it's going to DC streaming service, which does not sound very good. From you know, They dropped it because the script is bad, but DC streaming service is picking it up. And um, last but not least... We are getting a new Charmed reboot TV show. This time, the girls are Hispanic. Um, it's going to cast Melly Diaz as one of the sisters. She's from Be Kind Rewind. She's basically an indie darling. And we're also getting Sarah Jeffrey. Now, the sisters, they made them more, you know, they updated everything. So what they're, they're involved in, they're very political. Um, one is... Her goal in life is just to get into a sorority. So take that as you will. Melanie Diaz will play one of the sisters who's outspoken activist who loses her way after a family tragedy. And there's boyfriends involved and they didn't cast a third sister yet, but it's going to be, you know, updated and reflect the times that we're in now. And it seems that one of the sisters is not happy about their powers and they view it as witchcraft instead of like a gift that's given to them. So that's everything that's been going on in entertainment. Thank you for all of that recap. I do have two quick comments I want to make before we move on to the next topic. Uh, This was just brought to my attention. Now we can officially say that Black Panther has made over 700 million as of right now. So that's that's worldwide. So, um, yeah, great movie. 
Glad to hear it's doing well. I mean, I was at the movie theater yesterday and it was still selling out. So I fully believe that. But um, good news for Marvel and, and everybody involved. And uh, regarding what you said about Chris Tucker, I only want to ask him where the hell is the next Friday movie at? Because uh, I thought this movie was coming out this year. So I um, rush hour four, I guess. Yeah, that's OK, I guess. But man, where the hell is Friday? That's all I have to say about that. All well, right. they, they wanted to have it, but then it was like weird rumors that um, Ice Cube's son was going to be in it instead. And uh, nobody went to do that. <laughs> I guess so. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'll, I'll still watch it, but uh, I guess I got to look forward to Rush Hour 4. But but that, all he's, what he said about, oh, it's not about the money. Come on now, son. This is about the money. <laughs> but that's all I got to say about that. Um, so now let's shift gears to we, we definitely this topic is going to be a little bit controversial, I would say. But it's something we have to discuss since it's now being brought to the forefront yet again. And of course, I'm talking about the fact that, uh, you know, roughly about a week and a half ago, there was a horrific shooting that took place in Florida that we've all heard about it. You know, we did send our condolences on the last show. But since that time has happened, we've had uh, a lot of people talk in Congress about this incident, about uh, gun control, about the NRA. And uh, most recently, we had our our uh, president, which a lot of people are a fan of for some reason. Um, he basically had a speech in which he basically said that he believes that video games are to blame for a lot of this stuff that happened. During that same conversation, he also said, I think we should have a rating system for the video games. Now, when I heard that part, that that shows me he knows absolutely nothing about any of this stuff because there is a rating rating system already in place for video games. But we wanted to have just a general discussion about this whole thing about video games and question whether or not they should be blamed for these types of incidents. So I do have some thoughts on the matter, but I'm actually going to get someone else's opinion first. Uh, Dana, how about you start us off and let us know what your thoughts on are on this whole topic? Okay. Now, here's what the hilarity of it. Now, this was during uh, CPAC, which is a conservative um, convention that they have every year. And it's, you know, the very strict conservative people go there. What I find it to be very interesting is that when you're at CPAC, what happened was there were stations of virtual reality shooting games there. And Facebook had to pull them from CPAC. So I'm really confused as to how are you criticizing people for playing video games, but you offer them at CPAC. So right there, I'm kind of confused about. Now, if you look at the overall thing, it really seems that they're just grasping at straws. They're finding anything that they can to blame, you know, um, school shootings on. And this is not anything new. They did this with Columbine. Remember, Doom got blamed right along with, you know, Marilyn Manson. 
Then they blamed um, during the, the there was so, so many different school shootings. I can't even name them off of the top of my head. But every type of shooting game that comes out, they said, oh, that's, it's their fault why, why there's mass shootings. And this is just so ridiculous that I think that it's something that even shouldn't even be acknowledged because we all know that it's just the, any type of way for them to avoid talking about gun control. So it just gets lumped in there. And him wanting the, to have a type of rating system, we have that already, basically. You know, they put that back, I can't remember the exact, you know, year. Maybe I'm going to say the 90s when they put they put the, the label on everything. So we have that. So I'm not understanding of what he thinks is going to happen. It's, to me, it's just we're making an excuse so that we don't talk about gun control. But meanwhile, you're offering guns and you're offering video games based on shooting at CPAC. So I don't get it. I don't get it either. And that's an excellent point that not even I, I didn't even know about that CPAC stuff. So that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, okay, uh, Mr. Google, what are your thoughts on this particular topic? Uh, I think Dana put a, put a lot of good points in there, you know, as far as like saying like why this is kind of ridiculous. And thing is, is that as much as so many of us that, that have known about this and have gone through this throughout the years, you know, hearing people blame games for a number of different reasons, as much as we want to just dismiss it, we kind of can't because it always keeps coming up and it always keeps coming up by people that are in positions where a lot of others can listen to them. And it's also telling because, you know, she brings up gun control, uh, it's funny because not too long ago, I think uh, I forgot which senator it was, but I saw a video going around where uh, one of the kids that was part of the recent shootings, uh, the recent tragedy that happened not too long ago, asked the senator directly, listen, can you tell us that you won't take money from the NRA? You know, can you say that you won't pledge any money from the NRA to your campaign? And he wasn't able to do so. So when Dana says that, the, you know, a lot of deflection away from the, the National Rifle Association or anything involving gun control uh, is put out there constantly, you know, for any one of these different reasons. It's totally true. And video games end up becoming another scapegoat of that same argument, you know, as it has been uh, since the, the, the mid 90s and the late 90s. Uh, it's a shame because we, I feel like, you know, just seeing all this play out and stuff, uh, it's like we've a lot of us or at least a lot of the people that are being put out there that, that are in office and and in positions where they could reach out to more people about these types of subjects have really learned nothing. Because the same thing that always comes up about video games is that people are speaking about them when they've never really experienced them or never really looked in depth into them. That's always been the case with Fox News and a lot of other uh, mass media outlets, you know, outside of the games industry, when you're talking about massive amounts of people that you're speaking to in a variety of different forms, entertainment news and, and real world news and stuff. There, there, It's always this old mentality of people that don't want to bother looking into games and look into the gaming industry and, and the culture itself, but yet they want to speak on it and yet they want to talk about it. They get bent out of shape when people get into politics that have never really been into politics and they have a problem when people speak on that but then they would do the same thing to something like video games you even see that within the music industry and stuff so it doesn't surprise me that this is a type of thing that keeps coming up constantly again and again and again i don't think it's going to go anywhere i think that maybe the, the the uproar about it might die down a little bit especially because we're within the bubble of the games industry and a lot of people care more about that medium than anything else but it's nothing new and i don't think it's anything that's going to change anytime soon very good points all across the board. 
one thing I want to say real quick, and then I'm going to give the mic over to Max. Um, I agree with everything that has been said. I did uh, find out recently uh, that I found out some information that there is a senator. I mean, I don't know the senator's name because I read the article only briefly. But there is a senator that is trying to get a tax increase on violent video games and wants to use that money to fund, to start something with mental health. That will um, never happen, for the record. Well, hey, I, 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 I fully agree. I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it will happen. Um, I do think that uh, mental health is what should be uh, at, at the forefront as far as what what you know when you think about all this stuff that happens it, it, it happens with uh certain things that people are thinking and if they're going through things in their life they don't have anybody to talk to well then this definitely causes them to do reckless stuff like what this kid did with the shootings um the video games i really don't think i mean the video game is a form of entertainment you can say that there are a lot of things that would influence somebody, but going after a video game and then not knowing any information about what the actual game is, what it actually does, it's just ridiculous. And as you already had mentioned, we've seen this for the longest time. I recall Mass Effect when they had the sex scene in Mass Effect 1, which is very, very, you know, nothing compared to how you, you can say when you look at the later Mass Effect games. But they had that scene, and then I, I, I recall Fox News saying, well, this is pornography. And you I'm remember like, the first auto Grand Theft Auto game? Oh, yeah. the uh, Was that the uh, the hot coffee, or is it... Um, I forget what they called it. Um, I forgot. But it was like literally the first one, and they was up in arms and saying that this is destroying the youth. Yeah, but yet you can turn on a TV, watch a movie... Very graphic well, in nature, and, and see and see 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 you know far more than you would see in any video game. But no, go ahead. What was you saying? And and even more hilarious, the um, NRA went and put out a video, um, basically saying how you know their guns are being taken away and that it's everything else and that it's you know the media's fault. And that little like little about a ninety second clip was more violent than any other video game. You're showing wars. That happened. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's very interesting. And also, the guy, what, his name is Robert uh, Nadalio from Rhode Island. He's a Republican member of the Rhode Island State House. He wants to in put an um, increased tax by 10% on games rating or higher. Okay, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, okay. Started, you know, he went on this thing saying that, you know, if you expose kids to video games, they're going to end up becoming school shooters and act very aggressively. And even the, you know, there are science that does not back him up. He says they're going to be perfectly fine. So, and then back in 2012, um, the head of the NRA, uh, LaPierre, said the exact same thing and he blamed again Grand Theft Auto, Mortal Kombat, Splatterhouse and a low-tech video game that came out in 2002 called Kindergarten Killers that was only available online. So, he blamed that as well. And he said that, you know, Black Ops is bad as well and that I don't get it. It's so weird. Yeah, it doesn't make any kind of sense. Like you said before, making these excuses but again you know you could say a game is violent that's that's fine but again 
a game is not going to push someone over the edge. It's like, oh, well, I just shot up all these people in Grand Theft Auto. Now I want to go out and shoot up somebody at my local store. That makes no kind of sense. There's a lot more going on in that person's life inside their head outside of this just a video game. So that's my thoughts. And this is just all so that we don't talk about gun control, which is the actual issue. Yeah. No, no, instead... Oh no, no, you're right. That that's that, that, that that's right. And, and not only is that a deflection, but yeah, it's a focus on. Let's you know, a lot of people think we should build a wall, but we don't. We have all these issues going on here where we are at. We so, don't have to work. Anybody come in? We have our own problems that we can't seem to deal with. Yeah, they don't want exactly. To I don't blame but, them. So so it's all, it's all a deflection across the board. But uh, again, that's just uh, my thoughts. You yeah, pretty sure we have some of the same thoughts. Um, so, so Miss, Mr. Max Muller, what are your thoughts on this particular situation? And do you think that video games are to blame for a lot of the stuff going on with violence today? <laughs> well, I think you know my answer to this, but, um, this is like, to me, this is a deceit has been prevalent in my life, like since. So it was started playing games. So the conversation has never really went away for me per se. It's like a lot of the adults that I like interacted with growing up and all that sort of stuff, especially in the area I'm from, they kind of just all like, cause I'm from a small town and like a lot of them, they just kind of like came out here to like raise kids and everything. And they're all just sort of in their ways and they don't really open up to other types of like evidence or anything like that they've just always been told that like media is bad so they believe it you know and like it from a lot of the discussions i had with them i can tell they've never really done their research or anything like that if you've done your research on this sort of stuff and you genuinely believe that this is the case then that's fine you know but just a lot of cases like what you guys were saying earlier where it's just the people that make these claims are people that have very little to no experience with games. How come everyone who has experience with games says this isn't the case? You will never, from my experience, you will never find someone who has extensive experience with video games saying this is the case. I've never seen that before. It's only people who haven't played them who are blaming them. And like you guys, you, like you guys said earlier, you know, movies are way worse, you know, movies, like you're actually seeing people do this. Whereas a game, it's like, it's animated you know it's through a screen like i understand there's that whole interactivity aspect which i'm actually a big fan of and i think can do good things like the whole interactivity making things like deeper and stuff like that but i don't think that it has anything to do with making people violent and go on school shootings you know that's the other thing when it comes to like having these discussions with people is like growing up i had a bunch of friends that played games and like all their parents were like very angry about it and everything not one of my friends growing up none of these people that played games myself included are violent people in like at all i have never had experience with you know you guys people i've met over at techcraft over at gamecast everyone i've met in the games industry stuff like that as well these are some of the nicest people i've ever met they've never like from what i can tell it doesn't seem like they would ever hurt anyone or anything like that obviously you never know someone like to that degree but my point is just because they're playing games like my point is like everyone plays games a ton of people play games someone who has mental issues and would go out and shooting and stuff like that that makes like it makes sense that they play games because like everyone does that statistic is so high i feel like it's almost impossible to actually make that correlation just like how 
basically everyone watches movies. You know, basically everyone engages in these forms of entertainment and media. I feel like blaming it for that sort of stuff just doesn't really make sense at this point. And it's just kind of avoiding the argument in general. It's just, it's a very frustrating thing because I like to go off of things based on my own experience and form my opinions around that. And like I said, everyone I've met and like doing this line of work, everything like that has always been incredibly nice people that go out of their way to do what they can for others and stuff like that. It's like, it's just, it really doesn't make much sense to me. And it's like, again, everyone plays games and games is also more of an isolated thing. And a lot of the people that tend to go on these shootings and stuff like that, they are more isolated people. It makes sense that games is a hobby they would pick up, but like that correlation, it's just, it's a stretch to me. It's a big stretch to me. Like games are not the thing that would send someone off to go do something like that. I just don't, I don't understand it. It's really, it's always been to me just avoiding the argument. Even when I was a kid, like, that's just always been my thoughts on it. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if you just sit and actually genuinely think about this sort of thing and actually look into it, I feel like it's almost, it's not even an argument at that point. I really don't. I agree. Very good points. Okay, uh, Gary, I wanted to get your opinions on this particular subject. And I also wanted to ask the question, you know, because you do live in the UK, do, do these type of things, are these type of things talked about uh, in the news cycles over there? Like when something happens in the UK, that they'd be like, oh, yeah, that latest video game definitely caused this incident. Or are you only seeing this stuff happening here in the, in, 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 in the US? Uh, yeah, I guess it really is mainly US. Uh, you don't tend to see that. Um, discussed you know with regards to uh, major occurrences in the UK much but um, obviously you know we don't have um, you know it's it's completely illegal to have a gun here so the laws are much different um, so yeah I'm not gonna uh, pretend like I know the dynamics of everything that's going on over there because I know you know you guys live over there so you know the ins and outs of the laws and everything like that but um I just kind of agree with what you guys were saying in the sense that the only reason they're bringing this up and trying to put it all on video games is because they don't want to have the real conversation that needs to be had. And, um, you know, I've seen, I saw the viral video that was going around of, um, you know, the, the, the teen who was underage, um, you know, he went to the cigarettes or alcohol or anything like that. But he was able to go to a private gun show and acquire a gun. Like, you know, the, when you have stuff like that going on, there's clearly a problem and there's clearly something that needs to, to be changed by the higher up station and put there, you know, it's the scapegoat basically. And, you know, they want it. He's bringing everybody in society, so it's that's just like the easy thing because it's been going on so long. Like video games has always been a scapegoat for these kind of things, so it's now easier to just blame that because you know everybody already has it in their mind. It's like primes. so yeah, that's a deflection tactic in my opinion at this point. And I don't think anything serious will come of it because we've seen this happen time and time again and at the moment I, I think um, the obviously like Max said there are people who actually believe it but 
I think the majority of people kind of see it as a joke at this point, especially because so many people do play video games. So I don't think that, you know, they actually got video games. I just think this is a whole deflection tactic. Thoughts from an outsider, you know, from someone who doesn't live in the country. I agree. Yeah. I agree pretty much with what everyone had to say. Um, as I said before, you know, it's a very uh, deep topic. So we necessarily, um, I mean, I think we, we definitely had to talk about it, though, because, you know, video games. You know, I love video games, you know. So if I know someone's trying to attack video games, it is an unnecessary attack. I think you definitely have to speak out about that type of stuff. So glad that we spoke on it. Um We'll see what happens. As you said, I don't really think anything major will happen in, in regards to video games. You know, people will continue to blame it for a lot of incidents. But until people start to realize that these issues begin from within, you know, like I said, mental health is a huge issue in this country that a lot of people really neglect. Uh, and people really need to take the time. If someone has any issues... I definitely would urge them to go out there, get the counseling that they need. Don't worry about how you are viewed by others. If you have a friend that hears about you getting counseling and teases you about it, maybe that person shouldn't be your friend. Because if they are your friend, they'll be in your corner and they will back you no matter what. And they will also encourage you to get help if you need it. But I think it begins with that um, more than anything else. This has nothing to do with the entertainment. We can say, yeah, certain movies are violent. So on and so forth. But again, it begins with what's going on in that person's life, uh, the mental health. And of course, obviously, if they have parents in their life that are doing their job, they need to be held accountable as well, for taking care of their kids. But yeah, it, 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 people have to stop making excuses and start standing up and understanding where these issues come from. So glad we had that discussion. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the Throwdown crew because they also had this discussion and I would urge anybody that's listening to this discussion, definitely listen to what they had to say because I think that was a fantastic thing that they also spoke about on their show this past week. So I want to give them props for that as well. But um, let's go ahead and let's shift gears now going back into gaming and we're going to talk a little bit about the Dice Awards. We do have this topic to get into and then we have one other final topic to get into. So the Dice Awards um, that took place this past week, we did get an understanding of all the people that won awards. So I'm just going to run down this list pretty quickly uh, in terms of who won which awards. Uh, and then I'll get you guys' thoughts afterwards as to whether or not you, uh, you anything that you agree or disagree with as far as who won. So the game of the year went to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, yep, for Nintendo. The outstanding achievement in game direction that also went to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Outstanding achievement in game design that also went to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, immersive reality technical achievement that went to Lone Echo for Echo Arena. I believe that's a, yeah, that was a uh, Oculus game. Uh, Ready, at, Ready at Dawn's game, actually. Um, mobile game of the year went to Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, handheld game of the year, Metroid Samus Returns. I believe Mr. Lugo did review that. So, yeah, said that was a good game. 
The DICE uh, Sprite Award went to Snipper Clips. Um, outstanding achievement in online gameplay. That went to Gary's favorite game, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Uh, the Strategy Simulation Game of the Year, Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. Sports Game of the Year, FIFA 18. Uh, Role Playing Game of the Year. And this, this is a, listen, I, I, I give them a thumbs up on this. Near Automata, because that game is fantastic. Uh, Racing Game of the Year, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, I don't know about that. Fighting Game of the Year, Injustice 2. I agree with that 100%. Family Game of the Year, Snipper Clips. Uh, Adventure Game of the Year, Legend of, the Z- of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. The Action Game of the Year, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. The Outstanding Technical Achievement goes to Horizon Zero Dawn. The Outstanding Achievement in Storytelling goes to Horizon Zero Dawn. Outstanding Achievement in Sound Design goes to Super Mario Odyssey. Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition goes to Cuphead. Uh, the Outstanding Achievement in Character that went to uh, Senua from Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. The Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction goes to Cuphead. And finally, the Outstanding Achievement in Animation also goes to Cuphead. So initially, by looking at this list, uh, I think it's safe to say Nintendo racked up a lot of awards. I still haven't played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I keep hearing nothing but amazing things about this title. So I'm glad Nintendo uh, did very well, uh, won all those awards. Very glad that Nier Automata won the RPG because, yeah, that was a game. Like I said, when I played the demo of that game a while back before it came out, that completely sold me on the game. So very glad to hear that that did well. But um, did you guys have any thoughts on any of the winners that I mentioned? Um, how about you go first, uh, Dana? Um, I think Mario Odyssey deserves some more awards and just some sound. I'm sorry. It <laughs> was very beautiful. So I'm very, you know, I'm happy for their awards, but they didn't deserve that many. It wasn't that many they deserved. They deserve, like, maybe a good 90%. But the 10 other percent could have definitely went to Mario Odyssey. I think it definitely got cheated out on, maybe if not game design, then game direction. Um, But PUBG, I love how PUBG is still winning awards and they just haven't finished the game. So that's that's just odd. But... um, um, Mario Kart 8, I'm really shocked to see that there. Um, but good for them, I guess. Um, I kind of agree with a majority of these. Cuphead should have got more, too. That game was just, it was so good. And it was so hard to beat. But it made you frustrated, but you really wanted to beat it. It wasn't those games that, like, when you get you can't beat it and you get really angry and you throw it across the room. It was like, no, I'm going to beat you. Even if I have to stay up, you know, four days straight. Um, but I loved it, and I think it deserved more awards as well. But I'm happy for what it got. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I'm just going to make a quick comment before I uh, give the mic over to Mr. Lugo. I'm very surprised that Mario Kart 8 won that award because that game is pretty much a port of the Wii U version re-released again on Switch. Now, obviously, to have the ability to take it on the go is a great thing, but I think that is a little, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't really know about that. You know, obviously, Gran Turismo Sport, 
uh, was a fun game. Same with Forza Motorsport 7, but Forza had that big thing with the loot boxes, so a lot of people didn't like that. But I'm just surprised that they considered that Mario game to be, yeah, without a doubt, that deserve, is deserving of an award. So I, I, that, I find that interesting. But other than that, I don't have any issues with the other people that won. Um, I do agree that Zelda, that's a game that a lot of people looked at that game. It got a lot of, it really surprised a lot of people last year. So I guess I'm not too surprised it won all those awards. I do agree Mario Odyssey probably should have got some other awards, but you know, Zelda was the hotness last year. So it is what it is. (laughs) All right. Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts on anybody that won uh, any of these dice awards? Yes, I do, Rich. As a matter of fact, okay. Now I'm looking through some of this list now. There are some that I do agree with. Uh, I want to put it right up front: is that I don't believe Players Unknown's Battlegrounds should be winning awards, and because I'm one of the people that believes that because that game is incomplete and because that game is on a full release, it's kind of a little bit unfair slash disrespectful to the other games that are winning for being full game releases. Because if the shoe is flipped on the other foot, I said this during the Game Awards when it was going down, that Players Unknown's Battlegrounds should have never been in that category. And that was the reason why Nier Automata got snubbed at that show. And while there are some others that I agree with in this list, like, for example, uh, I'm actually okay with Mario Kart being uh, nominated there because I don't remember a lot of other big uh, racing games that came out last year that made a splash as much as that one. Granted, it was a game that was based off of a game from the previous year, I believe. I believe Mario Kart 8 came out in 2000, uh, what is it, 2016, correct? If I'm not mistaken, like something yeah, like that. That's correct. Lines. But um, I'm also of the mindset, I'm with Dana, that uh, was it Mario Odyssey should have won game of the year. Or at least, you know, yeah, should have been the one to win most of the awards. Because I feel like a lot of people are making a big deal of Breath of the Wild. And as someone who has played Breath of the Wild now, you know, because back then in the Game Awards, I didn't play Breath of the Wild like that. Now that I have a Switch and I'm able to play both the Wii U and the Switch version of that, it's still a phenomenal game. And I understand why it's getting chosen as the better uh, game out of everything chosen uh, or nominated there. I still feel that Mario Odyssey was the better, more special game. And at least the one that was more uh, well put together compared to Breath of the Wild. And Breath of the Wild, the reason why that game won all these awards is because of its scope, the way that it challenges a lot of the conventions of the Zelda franchise. I think a lot of people are getting caught up on that and having a lot of comparisons to the Dark Souls series and the way that it's designed. It's uh, it's gameplay loop kind of, you know, makes it stand out as compared to the rest of the series. I think that's why that game is getting a lot of praise uh, outside of all the other things that, that people mention. Uh, one of the things I don't agree with, I don't agree with Nier Automata being best RPG of the year. I, like I said, last year, that belonged to Persona 5. I feel like Persona 5 was the better RPG, and I feel like a lot of people uh, probably chose Nier Automata over Persona 5 simply on the fact either one, they didn't play it, or two, because it's a traditional Japanese RPG. I feel like that Nier Automata, rather than being nominated and and, and winning for Best RPG in this list, it should have won Best Action Game, which uh, apparently went to Players Unknown's Battlegrounds, which I don't agree with. Uh, I feel like that belonged to Nier Automata. Uh, then there's others in here that I see in there that, that actually work pretty well. Mario and Rabbids, uh, Best Strategy Game, that to me, that's totally cool. Uh, best Fighting Game, hands down, was Injustice 2. And, and again, a sec- close second would be Tekken 7, uh, without question, because I feel like the those were the two uh, big fighting games, or at least games released last year of that genre, that were really 
big standouts. And then finally, I'm also with Dana and everybody else that Cuphead should have gotten more love. I feel like that could have also been another game that should have won best action game or at least nominated and given a lot of praise for it because that was a game that did a lot of other stuff that other games weren't doing, especially in the visual department, making it look like that classic 1930s, 1940s uh, cartoon style that, again, is very hard to replicate and it's very hard to make look very good and Cuphead did so with with fine colors. Uh, The rest of the list, I'm pretty sure everybody else could look at it. Again, there's other games in here that got some love that I feel like maybe weren't as big or weren't as a standout to me, you know, compared to what other people think. I think also that there should have been a little bit more nods to Horizon Zero Dawn because I feel like that was the other game that alongside Breath of the Wild that was very similar in design and similar in approach. But Again, it kind of got pushed a little bit to the side when Breath of the Wild came out and as other games started to come out. I feel like in that category, it should have been Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda, and Nier Automata. That really should have gone the three games that really stood out within that type of design of game, or at least that type of genre for action game, etc. But other than that, you know, I'm okay with the list. Those are great thoughts overall, and I have to give you props because I completely forgot about Persona 5. Yeah, that definitely should have been there. Which, um, which by the way, won Best RPG at the Game Awards, which I think is yeah. funny because they're considering Nier Automata an RPG, but I consider that more an action game than it is an RPG. Because when I think RPG, I'm going to think Persona 5, I'm going to think Mass Effect Andromeda, I'm going to think of, uh, what is it, Tales of uh, Berseria. There's games along those lines that were much more bigger standouts in that genre than uh, something like Nier Automata. But again, not my choice, not my decision to, for the winners and stuff, but that's how at least I would have approached it. Yeah, that, that, I believe that makes a lot of sense. You know, I still haven't played Persona 5, so if it was possible for me to use a soundboard, I would give myself a lot of booze right now because I haven't played that. But uh, yeah, that definitely should be there. You know, no doubt about that. Um, great points all around. Okay, uh, Mr. Max Muller, I know you've played some of these games. Uh, are you cool with the list of the winners, or do you think that there should have been some changes made to some of these winners? Um, at this point, I don't, none of this is very surprising to me. Like, you know, just because of like all the Game of the Year awards and like everything else that we had already last year, like to me, this is just sort of an extension of that, even though I understand like the Dice Awards is more like for the developers. So, like, it's still definitely important to have and everything like that, but I don't really have any comments to make that someone else didn't already make. I'm pretty content with the winners. I, as someone who did get to play a good amount of Zelda when it first came out, um, I liked it a lot, but I was never as enamored with it as everyone else. I've always liked Mario games more. Like, Mario's always been my favorite Nintendo property. So I'd agree that I'd say Mario should have won more. And to be honest, I feel like while Zelda's name, like, carried on, like, throughout the year, like, Breath of the Wild, people definitely kept talking about it. I, and what JJ said, like, how the scope and everything is what's being really appreciated. I do feel like, overall, Mario was still the, like, more fleshed out, more refined experience, if that makes sense. Uh, which is part of why I liked it more as well. Like, I know that we complain, like a game's performance isn't necessarily representative of how it stands but if we remember Zelda like didn't run super well when it first launched on like the Wii U and the Switch like it was there were some big issues with that which kind of worried me and I remember a lot of people when the system first came out and to me also Zelda while it does challenge a lot of conventions 
I still feel like at the end of the day, it was just the best open world game to come out, even though, it, but it was still just like another open world game. And maybe I was just a bit burnt out on them by the time Zelda came out, Breath of the Wild came out. But to me, I've always just liked Mario more. And to me, Mario Odyssey is the, not that Breath of the Wild isn't an incredible, fantastic game, but to me, Mario is just the more refined, just one that appeals to me more. It's hard to say if it's better or not, because they are entirely different genres and everything like that, you know? But, um, so I guess that's my quote-unquote issue with it, but, like, none of these categories are very surprising to me at all, you know? These are the games you heard about all year, and in all the Game of the Year awards stuff. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Great points. Okay, and finally, you, Gary, uh, what did you think about this list? And I have to also ask, are you mad that Overwatch was snubbed for this year's awards? Yeah, I'm I'm very mad about that. Like they should have won a lot of awards here, I think. But um but no, seriously, um I don't have too much to say about this. Um like 'cause whenever different publications do their own like game of the year categories and stuff, like obviously it's all subjective and um you know, uh, the reason the game awards is uh taken so seriously is because they have the show that's streamed and everything. I believe Dice Awards has a show as well, but I think it's more behind the scenes. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I guess it's less of a discussion at that point, but it's completely subjective. So I don't really have too much of a problem with a lot of the choices besides the fact that Persona 5 wasn't even, like, mentioned in any of the uh, categories or anything. Um, I think that should have won Best RPG, but Nier Automata was really good as well, so... Uh, any acknowledgement for that game is a good thing as well because um, I feel like that's a very underrated game from last year that not a lot of people played so um, yeah that's pretty much all I have to say I, I didn't play Zelda or Mario so I don't have much of an opinion on the actual game of the year choice um, obviously my personal is Persona 5 but um, that was never going to win just because you know Legend of Zelda and Mario are so big in popularity and everything. So, yeah, I don't have too much to say beyond that. But I do think Tekken 7 should have won Best Fighting Game, though. Well, uh, I... Um, I agree. With, I, I mean, those are good points. Uh, I think Tekken 7 is a, is a good game. I still, I still think I, I enjoyed Injustice more. Uh, but again, it's just it, it's just it depends on what people like. Both games were good, great fighting games last year, so to each his own. But um, yeah, I believe that's uh pretty much just that wraps up our thoughts on the Dice Awards. We we will see. I'm very, I'm very curious to see what, what what games will get nominated for next year. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. So uh, let's move on to our final topic for today. Um. And I can, I can, I can definitely have a lot to say about this because I actually saw this presentation. But essentially, uh, during, you know, to open up the, you know, the whole uh, dice of last week, we had Phil Spencer give a speech on, you know, essentially what happened with Microsoft uh, from the moment that they announced the Xbox One into now. And he basically alluded to a lot of things in the speech. He said that Microsoft needed a reboot. He talked about the company missing out on a lot of trends. 
And he talked about what he hopes to do with his new position, how he can shape the future of Xbox and essentially reboot or rebrand it so that it becomes, you know, it gets back a lot of the good graces that it lost from the gamers when they first announced the Xbox One. So one thing I want to say right before we get into this conversation is, you know, a lot of times we've spoken about Xbox, uh, you know, critically on this show as we talk about PlayStation 4 and Nintendo when they make mistakes. When we spoke about Xbox critically, uh, that came, well, for me, that came from a place of tough love because I am an Xbox fan. I mean, I love Sony as well, uh, but I also love Xbox just about pretty much the same. So when I talk badly about a company, that's because I want them to learn from their mistakes and do better. And up to this point, I think Microsoft has done considerably better with Xbox. Now, obviously, we can say that there are no games out this year, they finally have Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2, uh, and Crackdown coming out. So they do have something. Last year, they, had, they didn't really have hardly any games out. So the software thing is still an issue, but I can see that they are making an effort to make changes. So I have to give them props in those regards. You know, the Xbox One X is doing very well as a console. A lot of people want that console. Um, we have yet to see them fully utilize the console because, again, it just came out in November. So this year and moving forward, it's going to be very important to see how they do as a brand. But as far as what Phil Spencer has been doing, I think he's been doing an excellent job considering where they were at from the very beginning. So I just wanted to get some of you guys thoughts on Phil being so open about some of the struggles they've had in Microsoft and whether or not you think uh the company has a chance to do well moving forward. And of course, the first person who I want to go to on this particular discussion is, of course, Mr. Max Muller, since uh, I know you are also a diehard Xbox fan. So what do you think about uh, Phil being so open about the company's struggles and, and how do you think Xbox is going to do moving forward? Are you still proud to be an Xbox fan or do you think, well, they still have a lot of work to do and I'm not really ready to say that they're going to accomplish anything yet? Yeah, I mean, Master Jazz in the set in wow, Master Jazz in the chat just said there's nothing else to be said for Xbox that has not already been said, and I kind of agree with that. I think that Phil acknowledging these things is important, but like we didn't learn anything from this. You know, we kind of knew the direction that he wanted to take Microsoft already. Like when even before he was promoted, like we already knew what he was trying to do. And as we said on the show many times before, all of us have that uh, he is. You know, he's a person that's for the gamers and whether it's a persona or not, like he does seem to do that pretty well. And he's still definitely like recovering from Microsoft's like issues before him. You know, like he says in the speech, it takes a long time to recover from this sort of stuff. You know, games take a long time to develop and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. He's just it's it's stuff that has already we already knew about it's stuff that we all knew they need to be working on it i think it's important that he said it you know it's important for him to acknowledge this sort of stuff but like again nothing really new here was learned we just have to wait and see what they actually end up doing you know he can say the stuff all he wants but until we see it coming then it doesn't mean much but i do think that he's done a good job and i think if anyone in the world is to do is to turn xbox around it's him and they have been they have been doing a very good job so far like since he's been head like he really hasn't made any glaring mistakes from 
my memory, you know, I know PUBG wasn't a good Xbox One X launch title, but I don't think that was necessarily his fault. I think that was more just PUBG just not being a finished game. So, you know, he's trying and he is seeing success and I think he's going to continue to see success. I agree pretty much straight to the point with that. And shout out to Master Jazz 9 in the chat. Yes, he's absolutely correct. All we have to do now is wait for games and see if they deliver. Yep, I agree with that statement 100%. Uh, so, Dana, what are your thoughts on Microsoft, Phil being open about what's going on with Xbox and, and uh, as far as the future of Xbox? I love how they're trying to be open in order to get a sympathy vote. Um just make more games. You're overcomplicating situation. Just make games that we care about. That's it. That's all we want. That's all we ask for. Just do that. Don't give us a song and dance. Don't go on the apology tour. Don't be open. You can be closed. Just give us games. That's all we want. So I feel nothing for him or his monologue. <laughs> hey, well, I understand that. And I know that you are... You, you, yeah, you, you've been a Xbox 360 fan for the longest time. So I know when you saw how they handled Xbox One, you was not happy with, uh, with any of oh, that. I still have my Xbox 360 and we get along and we're best friends and we talk to each other every day. So <laughs> until Xbox gets its act together with Xbox One or who knows, maybe they'll finally get a clue with Xbox 10, then I'm still sticking to my 360. Totally respect that. Yes. Okay, Mr. Lugo, any thoughts on Phil's speech in uh, Xbox moving forward? Uh, I pretty much agree with most of what everybody has said. I mean, uh, again, I feel like that's a little bit of, I guess you could say, a reflection or at least a look back at some of the stuff over those last few years. Again, this this generation. Uh, it could also be a setup for the next one because I feel like once the next console cycle comes around, I think Xbox is going to be a lot more prepared for, for uh, what is it, coming out the gate, you know, with a lot more stuff to offer customers and, and kind of really capitalize a lot and do more if not better than than what they've had you know compared to sony over the last i want to say a couple of years because i feel like sony has been the one in in the, the better position for a long time now you know not just because of what the hardware that they offer is but a lot of the games a lot of the other stuff outside of just the console itself and i feel like they'll have a better grasp on that uh in the next cycle uh, again, they they kind of got dealt a little bit of a bad hand, or at least a rocky start with all the changes and a lot of the the the, the redos and the reshoots and the and the mulligans that they have to do over the last I want to say maybe about almost five years now. Because again, certain things like Connect are a complete afterthought now. Remember that was a big thing when the Xbox One was first coming out. I don't feel like we're gonna they're gonna have that type of mistake or that type of approach to things uh, going up moving forward. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. How about you, Gary? Uh, what are your thoughts on Phil's speech and Xbox mo- moving forward? Yeah, um, what I got from his speech is that uh, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes, um, you know, conflicts and issues. Um, you know, in the speech, he said morale in the company was at a real low, and they were missing out on current trends and fads in the industry. Um, so it seems like he like Phil wasn't able to get everyone at the company um, on the same page to you know um, do the things that he wanted to do but with his new promotion now perhaps that can begin to happen so uh, my thing is now that he's given this speech and he's you know um, told the world about all of this 
he really does need to deliver now this year. Like this has to be a really amazing year for Microsoft. They have to announce a lot of um, you know new exclusives for the system and everything. We we need to get Crackdown, and it needs to be good because like it's been so long since that game has been like um, talked about, and it still hasn't come out yet. So they need to really deliver this year. Now that he has you know given the speech and he is um, he has been promoted and he does have more power now. So yeah, I just hope that he's able to execute with all these changes now. Um, obviously, Game Pass. You know, is is a big step in that the fact that they're gonna have, um, you know, all the new exclusives and stuff on Games Pass. That's a big deal in itself. So that's a good start to the year, I think. But yeah, they still need to deliver on what everybody wants, and that's games. So, can I just say something really quick? Go ahead. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I feel like. I agree Crackdown needs to come out and State of Decay 2 needs to come out and everything and that they need to be good, but I just have a strong feeling that maybe see if these will be good, but I have a strong feeling Crackdown and State of Decay 2 will underperform, and I kind of feel like those are going to be the last the last of the dirt that Phil just kind of needs to scrape off the boot before he can just be done. I feel like those games need to come out. They'll be fine. I don't think they'll be that good, but they'll probably be okay. And then, like, he'll be able to really just sort of utilize, like, his power and just everything will really start to take a turn after those kind of come out. Because that's kind of the last of, like, the old era of Xbox One and everything like that. And at this point, there isn't much he can do about them, I doubt, unless they're all delayed for another couple of years. Um, Sea of Thieves, there has been more information that's come out, and it does seem like they were hiding a lot of stuff, so maybe there will be something there, but I just don't think State of Gate 2 or Crackdown will be very good, and that's fine, that's whatever, and I think Phil knows that too, so like you said, Gary, he needs to, if he can't bring everything this year, he needs to let us know what's coming in the next couple of years and make sure that it's really good, and he needs to let us know what those things are this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I... I, I, I... Well, hold on a second. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Gary. I, I just have one question I have to ask. And, oh, yeah, and, you know, yeah, and, and you and Max could answer this question. So, so Max, are you pretty much saying that when Phil announces the next Gears of War and Halo, <laughs> those will be the titles? And that's ironic because we always say, well, those are the only titles that uh, Microsoft all, always does. But honestly, those are the titles, you know, especially Halo on the Xbox One X. I think that's the title that is going to push the needle and tell people, okay, yeah, now I definitely want an Xbox One X, but that was my um, question. To be fair, I didn't even have those two games in mind. I think that while those better be good, especially Halo, um, he needs to just deliver more on diversity. You know, they need to be like last gen, um, where yeah. they had a whole bunch of exclusives and everything. I don't think Halo and Gears are the answer. I really didn't even think of those when I was saying that. I think that it needs to be new IPs or bringing back old IPs that aren't those. They need to be part of the picture, but they're a part of it. They cannot be the whole picture. I agree. So, so Phantom Dust, <laughs> Phantom yeah. Dust too, and uh, yeah, and, and, and let's see, let's see another Recore, right? Because I know you and JJ yeah. enjoyed the uh, Recore. Oh yeah, Recore is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drop a hard nope on that one. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Gary. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, in response to your question, they they need to stop re uh, relying on Halo and Gears of War. Like they need to stop making those the go to to get people excited. They need to come up with new uh, new IPs 
and exclusive ones too. So yeah, um, yeah, definitely don't rely on those. Obviously, Halo will come eventually, but they need to stop relying on it so much. Um, and just going back to what Max was saying about um, Crackdown and State of Decay being the last of the games they need to shake off before the new wave comes in and stuff. Uh, I can definitely see your point. Like, um, I think that's there's definitely some validity to that. And I think what they should do is they should release those games as close to E3 as possible. Like, even like the week before E3 or something. And then their E3 show should be amazing. Like, because then even if those games disappoint, then the next week people are going to forget them completely. And then, you know, the they'll be excited for the new stuff that's announced. So if that is the case where they know it's going to uh, be not be ideal for the consumer, then they should do something like that where they release it close to, you know, a, a huge announcement or something. I agree with that. That's a fantastic idea. Because then that would also just make their E3 announcements that much better if they're good in the first place. But yeah, I just, I hope Crackdown and see if these and Stage of Decay are good, but I just don't want it. I don't expect them to be amazing. I really don't. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to give a shout out to the people in the chat. They're having an excellent conversation in there about, uh, yeah, if the, that, yeah, Phil, they, they, they shortchanged the uh, ReCore game. And yeah, because the budget, they didn't give it a good budget. Hey, I think you could say that that's a fair argument because I know when they had that definitive edition now, oh, the, the game, the, the fact that they had to have that definitive edition, because, uh, you know, I didn't really play the original Recore, so, but I've heard nothing but complaints. So, uh, it is what it is. I, um, we'll see what happens in, in terms of the future games. I do agree with what you guys said. About, uh, they do need to create something else. So if you want to use a good example, you look at how Sony, they let Gorilla make Horizon Zero Dawn. So they need a title like that to become a breakout success to establish a new franchise for Xbox. I'm not saying for it to be exactly that type of game, but it needs to be on that level as far as what it does for the brand. Um, and they can do that, but that's what the hurdle they have to get over. They have to create a game that a lot of people like and becomes a success and it's possible. I don't know what that game is, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see some surprises at E3 when they talk about the future of the console and what other games they are working on. Because I do agree that Halo and Gears aren't it, but I will also say you definitely need Halo and Gears because Gears 4 was, was great, but there's still more story to tell with that. And with Halo 5, you know, I was not a fan of that campaign. I know Max wasn't either, so uh, they definitely need to make up for that with Halo 6, but... um. We'll see what they got going on. But yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Microsoft and Xbox before we uh, wrap up today's show? Uh, so I think that pretty much concludes our show for today. Um, <laughs> you guys have any final shout outs that you would like to give? Uh, I'm actually going to start with you first uh, Dana, any shout outs that you want to give? Um, just shout outs to the listeners and, and everyone who's in the chat and everyone who listens to us later on with the show and, and, and thank you for listening and for your time 
Absolutely. Okay, Mr. Lugo, any shout-outs that you would like to give? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Just big shout-outs to all the listeners. Big shout-outs to everybody that's been leaving comments and sharing around the different articles, the interviews, the reviews, all the different stuff we've been putting up lately over the last like month or so since 2018 even started. We've been doing a lot of work. Everybody's been putting up a lot of great stuff. And it's great to see a lot of different people on social media sharing it around with everybody. So that really helps us out. Big thanks to that. Uh, and again, same thing also goes to the patrons. And, you know, we appreciate your guys' support as well. Uh, means a lot to see that. Uh, big shout outs, obviously, also. <clears throat> I had a couple of names to job just again, just for allowing us to post up more new content and stuff. Big shout outs to Bandai Namco for chatting with us over the last couple of games, including Dragon Ball Z and Sword Art Online. Big shout outs to Cookenbecker for allowing us to do the Sonic uh, 25th anniversary art book review. Uh, big shout outs also to Atari for allowing us to check out the Atari speaker hat. And uh, also a uh, couple of little things I want to kind of, you know, share that should get you guys hyped up. Uh, we got a couple of big surprises happening over the next week uh one of which i just got confirmation today uh as we were doing the show which i can't share yet it's gonna happen tomorrow hopefully at around 1 p.m eastern standard time i want to say it'll probably be up on the site and on the youtube channel a little bit after that but it's a big deal got a, a big special guest coming to tk spotlight that i can't wait to share with you guys that you're gonna be real real hyped about especially if you like nintendo let me put it that way. That's the only hint I'm going to give you guys. So uh, that's going to be fun. But again, big shout out to everybody else that's been supporting the site, that's in the, the actual streams, and, and it, you know, just so, uh, was it supporting us around social media. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, Max, any shout outs that you would like to give? <laughs> yeah, as always, thanks everyone for participating in the chat. We had a lot of discussion in there. As always, people contributing to the conversation, giving us extra things to say and discuss and stuff. That's always really, really dope. And thanks everyone for supporting the site as always, you know? It's really dope. Absolutely. Uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to all the Patreon supporters. Uh, I also want to take a time to give a shout out to all of you guys, all of the excellent work that you continue to do, the excellent shows, so on and so forth. Um, definitely a pleasure to work with you all. And I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat. Uh, Master Jazz09, Miguel, and Showan. Uh, excellent discussion today. And I just want to let you guys know, I'm seeing everything you're saying about Xbox. We actually are going to have another show specifically about Xbox because it's something that we've been working on. So stay tuned for that because I think you're very much going to enjoy that. We're going to talk about the, uh, the titles on Xbox One, so on and so forth. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Gary, uh, the floor is now yours for shout-outs. Yeah, so a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Nicholas Alvarez, and Miguel. And big shout-outs to everyone again who joined us in the chat today. You know, Show One, Master Jazz, Innate, uh, The Skull, Miguel, you know, Thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat and kept the conversation flowing. Um, you made a lot of great points in there. So uh, thank you very much for that. And definitely be on the lookout for, you know, all the extra content that's going to come soon, including the Microsoft show that Richard just mentioned. Um, and, you know, as always, shouts to Throwdown and everyone else at the Coalition. And that's pretty much it from me. Absolutely. Uh, and one final thing I will say, uh, yeah, I also do want to give a shout out to the throwdown. They're actually doing a giveaway for Final Fantasy Dissidia NT on PlayStation 4. It's the collector's edition. 
So definitely watch the video. I believe the video was posted on our website and, you know, they'll probably mention it also tonight on throw down your questions, but definitely enter that contest. If you're a fan of the game, uh, but you don't have it and you want to win it, definitely do what you can to enter that. But uh, that concludes our show for this week. Thank you all for listening and we will talk to you all next week. Better let me win that game. <laughs> yeah.